1: My guest this week is the youngest member of the Ukrainian parliament, Sviatoslav Yorosh. Sviatoslav, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you very much for your
2: interest, attention, care. Uh, Ukraine, what it faces is an onslaught from uh, more than a thousand kilometre border with Russia, as well as about 500 kilometre border with its vassal Belarus and landings on the Black Sea, generally a full-blown invasion unlike anything since since the Second World War. Uh, the, for Europe, that's truly a novelty, but for Mr. Putin, it is not. Mr. Putin is putting into practice what he has talked about for decades in power, that is trying to destroy post-Soviet states and integrate them into Russia. Uh, He has spoken about Ukrainian nation uh, at length in different occasions, but the speech he gave a week before the invasion is very clear, that he wants to destroy our nation, destroy our statehood, and to integrate it into the Russian uh, state that he is building there reality is what he faced since the day of the invasion is a relentless defiance by our people from every everybody in uh, from the government uh, to everyday people that are coming out in droves to join defense forces the territorial defense units and Fight with everything they've got for the country, the only country they were born with. And the fact of the matter is that fight is giving us a chance to show the world that this second biggest army in the world still cannot break a spirit of the country willing to stand up for its independence and integrity. The fact of the matter is we are proving to Mr. Putin that a nation does exist. That nation wants to fight for its existence and for its right to build its future as it sees Mm -hmm. fit. Um, As far as the West responds to the reality in question, that is just the fact is uh, that the West uh, is making many of the right moves Mm -hmm. in two regards. First, isolating Russia from international conferences, forums, uh, platforms, institutions, because Russia over the last two decades has broken every single rule that is to break in the international law book. Mm -hmm. And Russia needs to be punished for that uh, by exclusion from every single forum that it's a part of. It doesn't deserve a place there in any capacity. So the point about the Western efforts in trying to throw Russia off uh, those structures that is very much what we welcome and see as justified, not just because of action in Ukraine, Putin for decades has about plenty to deserve this. Attacks um, with chemical weapons on the soil of uh, Western nations, manipulation on, with democracy in Western countries, crises in Asia, in Africa, in Americas that he has fueled, supported and built up on. Uh, as for the question of Western uh, response and support and aid, all is welcome, nothing is enough, and all is needed. Uh, the reality is that, again, we are fighting in the second biggest army in the world. We are facing an unprecedented humanitarian disaster for a nation of 40 million that is essentially trying to face off uh, with uh with, it, with a tragedy, again, uh, not seen since the Second World War, and to get and uh, try and solve all the humanitarian challenges, uh, not even to start on military challenges of that, will take a great deal of effort. So again, we need everything. And again, I keep telling this to my colleagues who attack you know tweets and words from the West, like you know people praying for Ukraine. We are a God-fearing nation, so for us, even your prayers matter.
1: Well, thank you very much for that overview of what's going on at, at the moment and sort of the, the wider context of what's happening within this com- conflict. So let, let's just break some of what you've said down for a moment. So you're you're in Kiev at the moment. What's the situation like on the ground in the city right now? So as far as Kiev is concerned, in the first week, the Russians have tried to make different incursions to the city.
2: They sometimes got quite far with various troops they had uh, not, because of decoys and manipulation they've used, uh, we had plenty of shootouts, which is, I had a, a dubious pleasure of being in these shootouts as well. Uh, the reality is that AK-47, that journalists keep telling me about them coming around, is essentially a, a precaution. Uh, it's better to be safe than sorry, as they say and uh, the question is that uh, after a week of that uh, we are essentially turning turning mm-hmm. kiev into a fortress to stand up to whatever russians throw at us and no matter how many people leave it's a city of millions nevertheless and if russians come here in force they will have their Stalingrad here this is our capital this is the place which is fundamental for our nation's existence mm-hmm. for our nation's vision of itself we shall not give up on it no matter what as far as the the battle going on it's the battle of Kyiv. russians are russians have tried to use uh, they have poured through belarus into the chernobyl exclusionary zone and taken over the nuclear power station there causing plenty uh, of issues problems and uh, Potential catastrophes in the making there, not just for Ukraine or Russia, but for the whole of the world. Uh, Nuclear disasters have that tendency and Russia is causing plenty here in Ukraine now. And uh, they are trying to pour out of Chernobyl into uh, the western outskirts of the city, trying to cut our supply lines to the European Union and to the western border we aren't letting them there are fierce battles going on right now I was in plenty of those battles and visit plenty of those towns uh, and again try to both improve my rudimentary skills as a soldier, as well as to provide various different aid, which I can gather from different people that I've met through the years and decades of uh, work, various capacities all over Ukraine and the world. So the point here is that uh, with all this, the battle of Kyiv is ongoing. The battle right now is to keep the the city supplied
1: and uh, to break the siege the Russians are trying to wage on the town, and you mentioned that you've been involved in a, a, sh- a shootout or a couple of shootouts, and on online on various social media platforms, on news outlets, I've seen images and videos of you walking the streets with with a, a what, what to me I, I think is a, an AK forty seven or certainly a massive massive gun. D- did you know how to use a gun like that before the, this conflict started? Because of course you are a, a politician, you're a, a member of parliament. So I suppose how have you adapted to gun- from being a, a politician to essentially becoming a soldier.
2: Well, the reality is, I my experience was rudimentary at best with the gun, even though uh, I had chances to try and, fortune, uh, unfortunately, uh, to have that experience. But uh, again, now I'm not just by myself. Uh, I have plenty of people around me that have good skills with the gun. Mm. So I'm trying to ask them for advice and for rudimentary training. And uh, I I don't carry AK-47 anymore. I carry AKM-74. And as far as handling that gun, it's not, Uh, it's not rocket science as they say Mm -hmm. Uh, it's essentially something you can pick up and develop and to develop some skills to try and be useful uh, if the Russians come in in force to try and seize the town uh, to be useful in different capacities including uh, in in those shootouts and uh, the, the and the reality of hell that is fighting on the street,
1: fighting in the city. What you're doing, is, it's just so in- incredibly brave and in what the people of Ukraine are doing in, in taking up arms, not necessarily soldiers, but just ordinary people who two weeks ago were just living day-to-day lives. It, it's incredibly brave. But f- for you, do you feel that what you're doing is almost your duty as, as, as a public servant?
2: Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's the reality of it all. I mean, this is, this is country uh, the biggest country in the world which still thinks it needs more land and it's trying to destroy my country mr putin has made no uh, no question there he is again that our long speech which anybody can watch is laying this case pretty clearly uh and his vision for our country And the point is that as far as uh, members of parliament and politicians in general, we are citizens uh, uh, first and we need to try and be a part of that effort in every capacity we can be. So the point here is uh, very much the same, that we are uh, in this effort together with everybody else. And uh, if we are in a town which is uh, besieged and facing street battles and battles for its survival. We have to get those skills to be useful here as well. It's not a battle somewhere far away, it's right here.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: I'm sitting and talking with you uh, in a place, you know, uh, basically about three kilometers away from, from three and a half, four kilometers away from here is where the shootout I spoke about before happened. I mean, they caught Russian saboteurs about 200 meters, 250 meters away from here. And uh, Russian forces, that big column, the 40 kilometer column that is discussed in Western media is about 30 miles away from here uh so at the point here it's it's not uh, in somewhere far away it's right here so we have to be ready we have to understand that anything can turn any moment so we need to prepare ourselves uh, for the worst and again i'm not mm-hmm. just awaiting that i'm going to the battle locations around the city my team my parliamentary team members are leading different platoons there i have one team member who went through the worst in the in the fighting in eastern ukraine for the last eight years he was fighting with the russians there in one of the most uh, destructive battles that was waged over the last eight years he was captured he was kept uh, by the russians uh, in uh, as a pow for almost half a year and you know he's leaving a platoon there i was coming to him time and time again to get that uh, training to uh, to spend some time patrolling with him and the point is again to, you are everything now because you are required to do everything right now. You know mm. the truth.
1: Do you think Vladimir Putin underestimated the, the will of the Ukrainian people? You mentioned there that you know you, the the people are giving everything they have to this. Do you think uh, Mr. Putin did not count on this happening?
2: Mr. Putin believes his own propaganda. That's one of the worst mistakes you can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, the propaganda is putting out, and that he was trying to tell his people, is that if they come into Ukraine, they're welcome as liberators, they will have flowers thrown at them and such. The reality, the opposite has happened. Uh, the reality is that people are essentially pushing back at them with everything they've got. You have images you can watch anywhere on the web now of people just going on the street with their bare hands and Ukrainian flags basically shouting Russian forces away from their towns. You have people's in, people in villages coming out and trying to push the Russian tanks out of their villages. Mm. The point here is that, again, it's a people's war. Mm. People are seeing what this is very clearly. And again we it's not as if we have one voice i mean we are a democratic country we have little debates at nauseam happening all the time mm. being a politician means that you spend a lot of time on talk shows debating on politicians mm. uh on different matters and uh, you spend this day in day out but again when the war started these debates evaporated right. we have unity unlike anything we've seen before we had pro-Russian parties in the parliament voting together with us on normalization on the confiscation of russian property in ukraine on uh, laws, wartime laws in general, of whatever sort and nature. And the point is that we basically are engaged very clearly as a nation, unlike anything we've seen in our
1: past. With uh, Russia's attacks, and you, you mentioned this in your, your first a- answer, that there have been reports and rumours that Mr Putin is possibly preparing to use chemical weapons as, as he did in Uh, Syria in 2014 uh, as the Russians did in the United Kingdom in Salisbury in 2018. How concerned are you about that threat? Do you think that threat would actually materialise or do you think it is just say say the Russian rumour bill almost? I mean the
2: reality is Putin has time and time again repeated that he's willing to use anything. Mm -hmm. So the fact is we have to be prepared for that anything. They can happen any moment. It's not, mm-hmm. not that we have a choice here to pick and choose what he's going to use against us. But again, we've survived plenty of horrors in our history. Mm-hmm. So no matter what he throws at us, we are willing to stand, uh, we are willing to fight, we are willing to show him that we are not easily cowed by Russia. Yeah, Putin now is breaking every single bond that existed in any capacity uh, for between Ukrainian-Russian nations. He's showing that with his indiscriminate war that he's waging. Uh, so what he does at this very moment in Mariupol is just mm. indescribable. He's shelling mm. that city to the to the ground. He's destroying a maternity hospital that you've seen uh, in the media. It's just. One example, but he's shelling residential buildings there, and thousands are dead already there. Mm. It's very hard to count and estimate that. But Ukrainian forces there with whom I have communication has essentially said that they are will be st- they will stand there and die if he again. What is happening right now is that Putin is putting everything on the table. So mm. chemical weapons and other points, other horrors he can unleash, will just show very clearly to the world. And I'm I'm am this is something uh, Desperately sad to me that the world needs to see those images to finally react in a way that can stop Mr. Putin from from destroying my nation. That that chemical weapons essentially can be a way for West to finally understand that this is another genocide in the making, horror in the making happening in Ukraine. And that if they stand by and watch, they will have another one of those lessons they keep telling me that the
1: whole world can never happen again. Well, it's happening right now and they can do something about it, but they don't. Absolutely. And the the scenes that you mentioned in Mariupol of the the maternity hospital and uh, even even today I've read reports of uh, Russian forces bombing churches and and mosques. It's absolutely barbaric what's being done there there and across your country. But in response to this, when there are such horrendous attacks... How do you feel other countries and international institutions should be responding to Russia?
2: Well, uh, I can just look at the history of Western intervention, various... uh humanitarian and human tragedies across the globe. I mean, you look don't look far. Look in Europe, look in what happened in Yugoslavia, for example, when there was a murderous campaign in Bosnia, when there was a murderous campaign in Kosovo. It's very clear what the West can do here. Any number of intervention, a number of clarity, showing measures, they can try and shift... Uh, Putin's perspective, what costs he's willing to uh, incur here. And again, if you think nuclear catastrophe is just over the horizon, if you think uh, generals in Russia understand that if they Anything nuclear, they'll be obliterated from every direction mm. immediately. Then you're missing the point. Uh, again, the point here is that Putin is to see the West is going to do something that actually hurts mm. his ability to wage a destructive war in Ukraine. We are incurring plenty of damage every single day. But again, this is the second biggest army in the world. And if uh, Putin is sending already uh, Syrians. Uh, i mean he announced that that he is going to be sending uh, uh foreign forces that he can assemble into ukraine uh and uh, the point here is that so he will eventually have to try and mobilize mm-hmm. and on paper he has two and a half million people to mobilize and the point is that will cause a war like unlike anything that europe has seen mm-hmm. for the longest time and again the west can try and Stop all this. First, by no-fly zone, but there are various measures the West has, has done in the past to destroy this uh, reality. And again, it is doable. First, you can look at the situations that you no-fly know, zone that you implemented in various places where they were incurring genocide, in their people. Second, I remember, for example, uh, there was an operation done. Uh, when African dictators were trying to seize their countries of the failed elections, and with uh, British special forces helping their uh, situation. There are plenty of instruments you can try and use to stop this madman from causing another disaster in the world. Yeah. I mean, the, the cost that he incurred on Europe already with the Syrian war that is going on, as deadly as it is because of him, is already obvious.
1: But again, the the cost of this will be bigger because this is the biggest state in Europe is trying to destroy right now. And, and you mentioned there the the idea of a, a no-fly zone. President Zelensky, he's been quite vocal in calling for this. You, you've called for this. But th- th- there's been a, a lot of opposition to this, particularly from the United States to the United Kingdom, other NATO members, because it would bring them in into this conflict. So even though you... Believe that there should be one. Do you accept the reasons why NATO does not want to impose this?
2: Well, I listened to your foreign affairs uh, aficionados for many, many years, debating all these measures and all these questions. So I can fully understand your reason. Just the point is, again, there was a NATO NATO planes already shot down Russian uh, air. Airplanes over Syria. Let me remind you of the Turkish. Uh, uh, when Turks shot down a Russian plane there, no third world war happened uh, again. But there's also a point of costs which Russia will see here for waging the continuous war. And we have laid out other options as well. If Uh, There is this lack of will on the part of the West to stop disaster and tragedy and human catastrophe happening here. We are happy to do it ourselves. Give us the means to do so. Uh, We have plenty of competent pilots. We just don't have enough aircraft. Uh, We don't have enough air defense system. Give us more of that. And we can do it ourselves and continue doing it ourselves. Just again, there has been pro- there have been problems in that direction as well, unfortunately.
1: Well, what one other method the, the West has been using and NATO members have been using is in, the imposition of financial sanctions on Russia and high-profile individuals. Do you feel those have been enough, or do you think? Again, they should go much further.
2: Well, I mean, first, I must commend Britain in all of this. Britain has been uh, forthright in discussion about support for Ukraine as far as getting the wonderful in-love weapon system. They have been um, tremendously useful, and there's plenty of uh, demand for them from very different regiments in Ukrainian uh, army and special forces that see their usefulness as uh, essentially game-changing on the battlefield. So the point here is Britain has taken a clear and uh, very firm stance on this even before this started. Not to mention the fact that we actually have an alliance with Poland and Britain concluded right before all this started. So for us, all of this means a great deal. Britain is taking lead on these efforts. Second, on the matter of... uh, on the matter of uh, financial sanctions and general exclusion of Russian oligarchs from uh, the Western elites, that is again a splendid step because especially Britain has plenty to lose here. Uh, image of Britain in the eyes of Russian oligarchs always as the big laundromat for their stolen billions. And uh, I want to tell you, I mean, uh, this is discussion I had over the years, pl- plenty with different members of various reputable British media, including the BBC that have told me time and time again about all of this uh, for these Russian uh, uh, goons and uh, incredibly uh, destructive individuals who to bring all that money to Britain and think they can legitimize everything by being in Britain uh, and uh, spending in Britain. And the fact that you are doing finally what is needed to be done to sh- show these people out is was a wonderful, new- is wonderful news to us. Mm -hmm. Not just to us, but I think for British Conscience in general about how your nation is seen by the world.
1: I would agree with you there on on that point. And another thing that the the United Kingdom as well is countering is Russian disinformation and misinformation, which has been rife throughout this conflict. And much of it is being played out on social media. So in, in making people aware of what's going on and the way people read the news nowadays, do you think social media has helped or hindered Ukraine throughout this, this conflict?
2: Well, social media has been very clearly the key to tell the world of what's happening here. It's not concentrating campaigns and just everyday people showing you the images of Russian missiles and the havoc, disaster, catastrophe they cause on the street. Uh, the battle scenes that you all have seen and the... Human catastrophe uh, happening in Ukrainian streets, uh, in Ukrainian cities, and that's just everyday people sharing the reality all around them. As far as the uh, Russian efforts here, I mean, there's a reason why that is a, uh, that uh, there's an objective criteria when this is effective because Russia has banned Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, pushed out any ability to actually spread the message of Russian misdeeds in Ukraine and Russia. So the Russians cannot see. The reality uh, all around them I mean my, my favorite radio station in the world the Russian radio station echo Moscow was banned uh, and destroyed actually they deleted all their accounts of so, social media right. and they' been closed down and, and uh, this just because echo Moscow was giving a voice to various people in Ukraine who have been telling the world the reality what's happening.
1: In Ukraine. One benefit of tw- Twitter in particular I've seen is uh, the, the Vice Prime Minister of Ukraine uh, tweeting Elon Musk to uh, connect Ukraine to his Starlink satellite internet system, which, which Musk did and has strengthened the connections Ukraine has there. How beneficial has that particular move been for Ukraine?
2: Well, the point is that in this day and age, you can spread information instantly all across the world. And, of course, one of the things the Russians want is to create a blackout here so they can tell the narrative of what's going to happen in Ukraine. I mean, I've been meeting with different journalists that, is, that are stationed now in Kiev, and I'm, basically I told them, time and time, the Russians aren't going to kill you. The first thing they're going to do is blocking your hotel and send you their press guy to tell you the real story of what's happening in Ukraine. And that's just the reality of what they want to show to the world. This is the same as with Soviet propaganda and Stalin inviting all these journalists from Western world to come uh, to his Soviet Union and see the wonderful paradise of socialism. But the reality was quite different uh, with uh, gulags and uh, unbelievable uh, genocidal uh, famines that he was wrecking. But again, at the same time, uh, wonderful uh, French writers were writing uh, uh, praises to him because of what he showed them. And the point is the Russians want to present the same Potomkin village to the world here, and they have no ability to do so. Again, thanks to the Western response and closing down those instruments of power, the Russian developed and harnessed over decades. So that is also very helpful to cut Russia out of its ability to project a different story uh, unreal story, this story to the world. I was, I mean, the Indian media actually has, when I was interviewed by them, had just put me together with some of their speakers, some the Russian, Russian ambassador uh, to India, for example, or representatives or their, uh, their, their snazzy new Sputnik uh, media. Uh, channel and uh, I mean these people are just lying outright in every single mm. word they say and they just want the world to to see this as a legitimate counterpart. Yeah. I mean it's it's as if Nazis are debating with Jews about the Holocaust and Jews saying, well, we have all these people killed and saying, no, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. Nothing was happened. Nothing really happened. I mean, and you have some misdeeds over all. I mean, this is just madness. There is no counterpart here. This is a clearly black and white story, as black and white as it gets in our century. Mm. And again, the misinformation part, the the fact the West cut it out for the ability for Russians to project. Their lies onto the
1: world is a wonderful step that we very much welcome. And much of what we've discussed today has been about what Western governments have been doing or what they they can do to support Ukraine. So, so, sort of following on from the, the point about Elon Musk, what more can Private companies or highly influential people do to help the people of Ukraine.
2: I mean, first and foremost, what I've seen is that ability to track and search for their supply chains and find the Russian connections. Uh, I mean, the reality is Russia is projecting much of so much of its power through oil and gas. It's trying to be the big uh, petrol station which you can which you cannot do without. It has tried to basically. Uh, find any way to become indispensable, for example, in Europe's energy supply. And um, the America, Congress, U.S. Congress is doing a splendid job of trying to uh, search uh, every single part of American energy supply that comes from Russia and cut it out. And uh, that's the same thing a lot of companies can try and do, find their Russian suppliers and try to cut them out of there ability to provide their taxes to your Russian war machine, which is currently and has been for many years now, decades, killing people all over the globe uh, for Russian imperial ambitions. So the point here is to cut Russian state out of, and Russian economy, which is essentially part of the state at the moment, uh, cut it out of the global system of supply and
1: demand. And again, as in America, if you search, you'll be surprised what you find. Okay, so just to, to finish then, the, for listeners who are based in the UK or for listeners who, in other countries around the world who are, have heard what you've said today and f- feel as though they want to help Ukraine, how can people get involved and give their support?
2: I mean, there are uh, plentiful ways. First, where I started with as far as as far as uh, simple attention. Um... That you care about the story, that you share news about the story, that you uh, try and follow and uh, tell the world that you care is a step in the right direction. As far as uh, direct support, I mean, we have our country has started official bank accounts uh, to which any individual can support Ukraine in any moment directly without any intermediaries without any uh, structures in between. Uh, as far as the, as far as the uh, battle happening in Ukraine, we have already a good number of foreign volunteers coming to Ukraine. And uh, there, are, there, is, uh, there are many people who are joining in this fight. And again, so there is any ways from basic care in which you express your support on social media, for example, to the fact that you support us uh, resource-wise or humanitarian. And there's a number of that Red Cross, for example, raising this huge mission, trying to get the money and the people to support humanitarian relief in the relief in Ukraine and to millions of our refugees. And and also the direct and most immediate way of trying to go into Ukraine and join the fight, which you can also do. And uh, this is something which I'm, with which I'm very much involved in. And uh, if you make a decision, we were very Happy to welcome you and uh, let you in to join the fight.
1: Okay, and just uh, one final point. I saw on your Twitter feed that you'd taken in a a stray dog whose owner had been killed in the fighting. How's your new friend doing?
2: Very good, very good. Uh, The the dog is recuperating, I believe, after many days in... uh, in the battle-strained city of Irpin, it's basically recuperating now. But I think it's quite annoying with the fact that I live in an apartment. So okay. it doesn't have uh, big spaces to run around in. But uh, I try to take it out uh, every so often to show the world uh, that uh, that is here in Kiev, which is plentiful. And uh, again, I, I'm a dog owner back in my hometown, Lviv, in the western Ukraine. And I have long history with dogs. So uh, for me, this is a coming back to the roots, so
1: to speak. Okay. Sviatoslav Yorosh, thank you very much for coming on the show. And please stay safe. And we pr- we pray for you and the people of Ukraine. Thank you very much.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for caring. Thank you very much for taking more than three minutes with us. Again, zingers, sound bites are quite annoying. I feel this time
1: and having a half an hour interview is very much music my ears. Thank you very much.